Thank you, Pastor. Just uh, great to be with you again. It's been a number of weeks that I was here. I wasn't feeling well for a while. I don't know what it was, the weather or what. I guess we know what it's like today to be, uh, have families that are sick and in the last few weeks, quite a few deaths. We think even not only the church, but we had uh, three close relatives in our own family in the last two weeks that we had to be, uh, not had to be, but it happened to be that we uh, needed to attend and so forth and be with. But we're happy to be with you today. And uh, when I saw the two pastors here that we have, they I thought, why am I standing up here this morning? And <laughs> but uh, we're just great, happy to be here and be able to share it with you. Uh, I'd like you to turn this morning, if you will, to um, uh, Luke chapter 12. I'm not going to be reading from that right away, but you might have that in your, uh, have your place there. Because, but we're going to go to a few more scriptures before that. As we think on the subject today, our contingency plan being the first day of the year and this probably if you had your devotions you had your first time to be with the Lord in in prayer and so forth but this is the first united time together that we can be together and and really worship the Lord our contingency plan is something that that we need to be looking at rather seriously I think because uh, many of us have don't have a contingency, don't care what takes place tomorrow. I hope it's not that way in your life. But it's a time that we can uh, look at our relationship to the Lord. How much is that which we do in life connected with uh, God, with the one that we have chosen to let into our hearts and let him have the Power and the divine power that he has for us as we look at it and let him make his change to us that needs to be made in our life. And uh, we're going to find this uh, fellow this morning that's in this, in this scripture forgot God. And are we sure today that we are not forgetting God in the way that we uh, deal with people in our world and, our, and live in our world. Uh, the Bible teaches that we need to have some investigation of our life, not of the other person's life, but our life. What are we doing with this life that God has changed or supposedly has changed as we trusted him as our Savior and Lord or perhaps not trusted him at all? But God wants to make that difference in our life. And I thought a few scriptures. First, I'd like to look at the Old Testament in Psalm. I'm not going to use many of them, but Psalm 139 uh, is a familiar portion of scripture. But it gives us an indication of that God wants us to do a little examination in our life, a little test in our life as we walk with him. Here's a book that when David is writing... We see David as the writer here anyway, and he is uh, uh, pointing out the fact that God is the sovereign of all. 
And as God being the sovereign of all, we don't fully understand that. No way that we can understand the sovereignty of God. Yet we need to research it and look at it. But here, David, as he, he, he speaks of, it says, even the darkness is not dark to you. Even God doesn't uh, uh, have to be somehow uh, like us, that we have to have lights and so forth to be able to see. God is the control and knows everything in the light and in the dark. And he also says, my frame was not, uh, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. When that which took place before anybody even was in the world, God already knew about you and knew about me. Not just from the beginning, but to the end. He says, uh, when I was made, and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth, made from the dust of the earth, and, and uh, your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me. He knows the end from the beginning. And when as yet there was not one of them, there was not one day that God didn't know all about your life and my life. And then he says at the end of the, the, uh, the psalm, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. You see, David saw the importance of seeking God and looking to God and letting God search his life and his heart. And I would uh, thoughtfully think today that you and I need to be looking to uh, God at the beginning of this year, at the beginning, and letting him search our hearts, that we might examine our lives before the Lord. In the New Testament, and, I'm, and I'm, I know this is a little more scripture than what we need to really have, but I, the scripture speaks so well of it, I think I'd like to use Second Peter chapter uh, 1, and in Second Peter chapter 1, this is the depth of Christianity. Here's where the scriptures really, when Peter is involved in, as a real believer in Christ, as one who is teaching and telling them how we need to live, he reveals this to us and tells to us that his power and his divine grace and love is for our life, that we might use it today. Uh, in, in our life as we uh, uh, research and search for the contingency of the plan in our life. In chapter 1 of Second Peter, it says, Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. <coughs> That's what we need to be. Part of that with Peter. To those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. 
grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything. Notice that. Everything that pertaineth to life and godliness that comes from God. Through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. It's pointing out the fact that we have been given that divine power and nature of God so that we might be able to live in a world that isn't controlled by Satan, but we can live in a world that is controlled by God. We think that that's not possible today, but it is. Because he controls our life if we allow him to. And that's what he's talking about here. That the strength that God has is a God strength that can change and does change the divine nature even in your life. Not the divine nature, but the nature of your life. Now for this reason, this very reason also... Applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. Moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. So God does teach a little bit different than a lot of people in the world think today. That to believe in Christ is just that it's a belief in Christ. Nothing changes in the life when God all the time tells us that we are a new person in Christ. Old things are passed away and behold, all things become new in Christ when we have trusted him as our Savior and Lord. And his desire is not just the motivation that we somehow be uh, saved, but that we can walk in newness of life in our world. For he came to change the world. And he will in his day change it completely the way that he wants to to have it, to show the world and show uh, all all persons of everywhere that when God is there, it can be right and will be right. But God wants it to be right in our lives today. And um, so there's just a couple of verses I want to be thinking about. It talks about um, uh, the the, uh, 
examination of our faith, the examination of our lives. In Second um, Corinthians chapter 13, we find that uh, God is speaking there and, and uh, he, he um, brings out the word of this exam, examination in Second um, Corinthians 13, 5, says this, test yourselves, test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Test yourself to see if you're in the faith. What does that mean to us? It says, examine yourselves, or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test. Now, we spent a lot of time on that, but we're not going to. But it's to point out the fact that the examination that we make at this time of the year, this new year, as we're thinking about it today, is the test of your faith, the examination of your faith. Are you building your faith upon your works? The things that I do, certainly God will accept me because I'm a good person or I do things right once in a while or from time to time? Or is your faith built upon what God says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved? That God in, in his great miraculous work in our life has taken all the promises that he has given in the scriptures and has applied them to our lives and said these are yours through faith and he also points out the fact that the word of God and the Holy Spirit who is now an indwelling spirit in your life an everlasting fellowship with the Holy Spirit And through the church, the body of believers, as we gather together and we have Christ as the center of our life, living in faith to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Test yourself and see that you are living by faith. And then also in in the first Corinthians, with this is the familiar scripture because we use it so often in our communion time, but in the eleventh chapter of First um, Corinthians, verse twenty-eight, it tells us here that we need an examination as well. I can't. Get my pages to turn right here this morning. If I'd had the scripture memorized, it wouldn't have to be having this take place. But it says, a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. Now he's talking here about unworthiness, coming to the Lord's table worthily. 
And that is not to make fun of God, to mock God, or to walk before God in such a way that that, uh, uh, we are laughing. But to come seriously before God, for the body is so important to that which God wants the world to see. This is to walk and examine our bodily walk before God. We examine faith. We examine whether we're in the faith. We examine our walking worthy before God. Are we, when we say we are a child of God, are we also walking in this flesh, with this mind, with the way things are in life. And then there's one more yet quickly that we see in um, Galatians. And in Galatians chapter 6, verse uh, 4, it says this, but each one must examine his own work. Notice that. Each one must examine his own work. And then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. Truth of the there is no room for boasting in this life. For we fail so miserably so many times in the work that God has placed before us. It's so easy to look back and see so many times that I had opportunities in the world and let those opportunities go by by not being serious enough in thinking about the work. Not only the work that we do physically in the world, but the work of God. For he says we need to be fruit bearers. And he says, those who are faithful to God are going to be useful and will bear fruit in our world. So we see God doesn't just let this go by and think that, hey, I've saved this person and let him go. He wants us to examine ourselves and walk with him. And I think this is a a good time of the year to do this, isn't it? I know we're we're not trying to practice what the world practices, resolutions and that type of thing, but we need to take a time in our life and perhaps every day if you have the opportunity and 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 the time, but especially take time and look at what uh, our plan is. What is our contingency plan? Now, I want to get to the scripture in, uh, in Luke's gospel and, and read this as well. As we think of this rich person, this is the only place in the scripture that, uh, that uh, this is spoken about. Luke talks about this man. He doesn't tell us anything about the man really, whether he is an Israelite, whether he was a, or, or whether he was a Jew, or whether he was a Gentile, or whether... Uh, uh, Anything except that he was a farmer, it looks like. And in the 12th chapter of Luke, verse 16, and, and, and he told them this parable, saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no place to store my crops? 
Then he said, there, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your, take, uh, take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your soul is required of you, and now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. I'm not here to talk about giving or money things necessarily. I'm here to talk about what might take place in any person's life who forgets God. Immorality robberies and so forth, jealousy, all the types of things the Bible speaks about if they're not under the control of God and kept by God. That's what I'm thinking about this morning. There are three things quickly that we're thinking about, and that is this. This man's observation, this man's objective, and this man's uh, opportunity. In the first two verses, it speaks of his observations. There were very little observations, really, when you think about it. He had overproduction. We don't have anything from him that tells us whether he was uh, taking care of his workers. He certainly didn't do it all himself. That he could make this, he certainly had servants or slaves at that time yet. But it doesn't say that he chose to share with his workers anything that he got extra. Didn't show that there was any type of a pleasure to, to help them in any way. And if he was a Jew, then there was also the matter of when you uh, harvested your crops and so forth, you left a certain amount lying there so that the poor and so forth could come and could take up that which they could find and so forth so they might have things to eat and this type of thing. I think that was a policy that was followed by, in particular, the Jewish people. We don't have anything like that that says that he, he cared about anyone else. But we find that he said, well, since I have so much, I will tear down that which I have and build greater so that I might be able to take my ease. We might think, well, that's a foolish idea and that type of thing. It's a foolish thing to do. But how many of us are involved in the same way? I'm not here accusing anyone. But we need to look, as we look at our life, as we examine our life, how have we responded to that which God would require of our life if we truly were following him? The matter of surrendering that which is ours so that God might have his way accomplished in other people's lives. When God said he saved us so that we might go into all the world and preach the gospel, that all the world might hear of the gospel, do we realize how much of the world has not heard the gospel yet? 
We talk about, oh, they have the opportunity to see it and hear it on radio and have the opportunity to see it on television. They have the opportunity to hear people speaking. They have the opportunity and they don't. Many of them we hear. And this is not a, uh, a time to talk about going out to other parts of the world, I don't think. But we need always to keep in mind, have we followed that which the Lord would ask in relation to our wealth and our riches, our, our life, and this type of thing. He observed, he was observing, but he didn't go very far in his observing. He observed that he had been blessed and that with that blessing he was going to take advantage of it. Well, there's a few other things in observation of riches. We're, just, we're going to talk about riches, the riches here that he had. Uh, if we observe things, we're going to find that we do have some problems that take place. When we take care of self-preservation and we think nothing of God. This is what the thing that took place in his life here was that he, um, uh, he had a disaster, a picture of his disastrous life. It was a worldly policy. A foolish life because of the narrowness of its aims and purposes. He didn't consider God. Just keep getting. Men called him a success. God called him a fool. A few other things that he needed to observe quickly he, in, in his particular problem. He... Uh, in regard to bringing satisfaction to the man and happiness or joy. Riches fill the heart with cares. We know that. We're, we live in America. And uh, we're so deeply in debt we, uh, that uh, uh, it's unimaginable. And if you'd like to count it up sometime... You can spend a couple of days just counting. If you go one, two, three, four, five, you're going to spend uh, light years, I guess you could say, to, to count that far. We're that deeply in debt. But that doesn't matter. We have cares that we're thinking about. Riches, they can bring uh, much trouble. What can I do with it? Who can I trust? Think about if you will, would win the lottery or something. I hope you're not trying to. But uh, uh, if you like those who are winning millions of dollars, so many times they don't want to give their name, and I don't blame them at all because uh, uh, there's always somebody out there that wants something. But uh, who would you trust? An attorney? Uh, someone that knows how to manage money? It, it's, it would be a problem. Now, he wasn't just relaxing. He was going to have to deal with this in his life. Uh, they prove a short-lived possession. Here he, he found out that uh, God said, well, you're doing all this, but you're gonna, you're, your life is going to end uh, right now, this night. 
didn't have any further time and, and riches seem to be that it doesn't mean any extra length of life riches delude with hope of a long life they do not bring satisfaction to the soul and the sixth thing they can close the heart against salvation close the heart against salvation that doesn't mean they will but God says how hardly shall a rich man enter the kingdom of heaven with God all things are possible but this man observed and in his observation he didn't go far enough I trust that when we observe that which we need to be uh, looking at in our contingency plan we go far enough to see that the center of of all that we do needs to be centered upon the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior and then we see his objective this man had an objective to sit back relax take it all in and be at ease uh, and uh, uh, take your ease eat drink and be merry so he had an objective in it. But was his objective something that would be of value to others? Is his objective something that is of value to God? Was his objective something that, that uh, uh, made all that he had? He, he said to himself, my barns, my goods, my fruits, and even my soul to relax. God wants us to understand that our objective needs to be God-centered as well. And that when we have an objective in mind, God needs to be involved with it. And then the, the, the final thing is his, his, which we think would be at the fourth part, but it, I, I see it as at the last part, our opportunity. This man lost his opportunity because God said, your soul is required of you. He never was able to help someone else because he kept it all for himself and did not think of others, nor did he think of God. So is the man who stores up treasure for himself. It is not rich toward God. So we see that our, our thought this morning is our contingency plan. Is God in that plan? Is God a part of that plan in our life? In, in um, Ephesians chapter 3. I want to use the scripture yet and we're closing with this today. Chapter 3 beginning at verse, verse 14. For this reason... Paul is writing here. I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through this, his spirit in the inner man 
so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up with all fullness of God. The very fact that God speaks to us through his word and tells us we are his through faith should remind us always that he has set the pattern for our life in the world. And that as long as we forget him, we're not going to be happy and satisfied. And we'll continue to long for things of the world and and the way the world wants it. But if we see the real love of Christ and experience that love in our life and experience love from a changed life to others, that the Holy Spirit of God might take this life that we have and fill it to the fullness of all that he promises and has for us, the magnificent power and glory of Christ and God in life changing us from glory to glory so that we might shine forth in a world that doesn't want to hear about Christ that we might have a year that is so different from the past that it's a plan that has only Christ as its center and the hope that he places within us to his glory. Let's pray.